Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Braves Dugout Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network and Braves Cooking Podcast feed. I'm so happy to have you back. At the time of this recording, the Atlanta Braves are on a bit of a losing streak, and of course, a lot of fans are freaking out over it. I get it, especially with guys like Kyle Wright and Max Fried being hurt. So we're going to take this episode and do a deep dive into what a situation would look like for the Braves to be able to bring in some help in the rotation. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for the Braves Country Cooking Podcast feed. It'll help people that don't know it exists yet to find it. I really appreciate it. Let's get started. Alright, so like we said in the intro, the Braves are have just lost three games in a row at the time of this recording, and you know, th- these recordings get recorded a, a bit ahead of time, but with that being said, a lot of fans have been worrying about, okay, yeah, the Braves have the best record in the National League, but they've lost Freed, they've lost Wright for an extended period of time, what do we gotta do? And there's been trade ideas all over the internet about what to do. And so I want to take this time and talk about some of those trades. Uh, give some opinions of my own on what I think the Braves can do. Of course, as someone, people like to always say, fan trades never work out. I'd, I'd counter that and say that's virtually impossible because every scenario has probably been explored in some fan's head. But 
What I would like to do is talk about why certain trades make sense and why they don't. Not necessarily the specifics of who the Braves are giving up if we're talking about prospects and things like that because that's when things get really shady. But we will talk about trades and I really want to hear your feedback if you have any idea of trades you'd like to see or trades that make sense in your mind. I think this is one of the most fun things about baseball is or Major League Baseball is talking about potential trades. And with that, what I want to say is if you see someone on social media that is posting a ridiculous trade or you think is a ridiculous trade, don't get mad at them and don't belittle them. Either one, they have no idea how the business side of baseball works and it's of no fault of their own. Two, maybe they're just trying to get involved with the baseball community and this is one thing that they can talk about. The traits might be ridiculous, but that doesn't mean you need to belittle them. They might not know. Three, the person is just adding content for you to read and talk about. Like if you go on Facebook and someone's posting up a ridiculous trade, then maybe they're just be excited that they brought something up that entertained you and some other people for free by just creating content to talk about on Facebook. Of course, there's always those handful of people on social media that just like to troll and, you know, say ridiculous things to get attention. Things like, we need to trade Ronald Acuna now. Like, I get, there are certain fans like that. I get that. But if you got someone that's genuinely just posting a trade to start a conversation about trades, don't belittle them. Just have the conversation or keep scrolling, okay? There's no reason to be mean to people. It is fun to engage in those conversations. Uh, maybe, you know, when it's, you know, I'm an admin of a few Braves Facebook groups, and I, and I am able to know when someone just doesn't know really how trades work, and that's a perfect time to go in, and, and if they're open to it, we can have open discussions about what's the situation that the Braves would trade, what's the situation that they wouldn't, why this type of trade makes sense, and what have you. And so I encourage you to do the same thing because it's a lot of fun. Of course, no one truly wants unsolicited advice, so don't go in there with that attitude. Just have the conversation with them and see if they want to have that conversation because that might be why they posted that trade. Anyways, I'll step off of my soapbox now, and we'll talk about some potential trades that the Braves can make. What I want to say first, though, as a huge caveat here, is you have to set parameters for anything, right? And we do know that Alex Anthopoulos said he has no plans of making a trade for a rotation piece right now. Uh, we don't know for certain how long Kyle Wright and Max Fried are going to be out. We don't know for certain if Mike Soroka is going to be able to pitch this year. We talked about it last week in the podcast about Mike Soroka. So there's a lot of variables here. So, of course, Alex Anthopoulos doesn't want to make a knee-jerk reaction as of right now. So people keep saying we need to make a trade, we need to make a trade. Odds are the Braves are not going to make a trade anytime soon. It's a bit too early. And what I mean by that is, one, what we said from Alex Anthopoulos' side of things. But also, most of the time, when a team trades a player, it takes two teams to trade, at least two teams. The second team wants to get the maximum amount of value possible on their trade piece. So with that being said, especially with rotation arms, a team is going to wait till around the trade deadline because they're going to start getting into bidding wars. And that's when they're going to get the maximum value for their player. If they were to trade with the Braves right now, one, the Braves would have to massively overpay because a team 
would want would only take it because they think like they're not going to get a better deal at the trade deadline. Or two, the Braves are going to have to wait till the trade deadline and they're going to have to enter a bidding war. Really, the only time the Braves are probably going to get solid value for a player is like they've been doing in the offseason for the most part. Or, you know, the the ones like Jorge Soler and stuff. But I'm talking about like a top-end rotation arm that other teams are going to be going after. You know, there's all different levels of trades. Like the Eddie Rosario trade, the Jorge Soler trade. I'm not talking about trades like that. Uh, those those trades, obviously the Braves won those trades if you're into that kind of thing. But I'm talking about like top like rotation arms, team type of players that multiple teams would want or are going to go after. Typically in this situation, they're either not going to trade them early in the season or they're going to wait till they can have a bidding war at the trade deadline. The first trade I want to bring up is one that was brought up on Facebook by our very lovely Anthony Webb. He's one of those guys that is constantly bringing content to our Facebook pages and we love him for it. And a lot of times he brings very controversial trades or trades that don't make sense to a lot of people. And that's fine and good and we love it. This one was actually a very interesting trade because of the timing and because a lot of people were saying how it was an, a massive overpay for the Braves when in actuality the trade is about what it would cost to get this player. And uh, so I just thought I'd bring it up because one, I want to thank Anthony for always bringing content to our Facebook pages, but also because this is a perfect example of how just because a, a fan on social media thinks something is an overpay doesn't actually mean that it is. Uh, just because you got to remember that as much as you love certain players, their value might not be what you think it is. When you look at trades, it's not just the talent level of players. It's also the years of control left on their contract and how much those contracts cost money-wise. That's why I love the tool, the uh, the trade tool that online that you can use called Baseball Trade Values. It's not perfect by any means, but it kind of gives you an idea of like, wait a second, is this player actually worth this much and how much are they worth in comparison to other players? Because it's all about trade value. It's not about the talent level of the player 100%. There's a lot of variables that go into trades. In this particular trade, it was it was said that the Diamondbacks would get Vaughn Grissom, Luis Guanipa, A.J. Minter, Jared Schuster, and A.J. Smith Schulver for Zach Gallen of the Diamondbacks. And there's a lot of fans or, or people on social media like, oh, that's a huge overpay, that's a massive overpay. Well, here's the thing. It actually wasn't. I mean, it was slightly in the Diamondbacks' favor. If you look at the trade value tool, uh, the Braves' val total value in return would be a 68.7, and the Diamondbacks would be a 78.5. So just under a 10-point difference, it would be slightly in the Diamondbacks' favor. But here's the thing. For a guy like Zach Gallon, this is the type of haul it would take. One, the Diamondbacks have a winning record currently. They're trying to make the playoffs for the first time in a while. They're not going to just give up their ace. Odds are they wouldn't trade him in the first place, but you would have to overpay. Second of all, this is the type of trade that would have a massive bidding war. I think why a lot of people said it was an overpay is because since Gallon pitches for the Diamondbacks, who the Braves don't typically play a lot, and how the Diamondbacks were a bad team for years, 
people didn't really talk about Zach Gallen like they should have, so a lot of Braves fans don't really know who he is. Zach Gallen is on a Max Freed type talent level, and he's not a free agent until 2026. He would take a massive haul. This is the type of guy that came in 5th place in Cy Young voting last year, and he's only getting better. He already has 1.7 wins above replacement already this year. He is an elite pitcher. He's in the top 10% in Major League Baseball in strikeout rate, top 7% in walk rate. So, an expected ERA, he's in the top 18% of the league. And that's really impressive for a starting pitcher because typically the ones that are in the higher percentage are those elite relievers. So, he's, he's absolutely killing it. It's not a fluke. The dude is an elite pitcher. This is the type of haul it would take. So I just wanted to put that out there. Zach Gallon is not coming to the Braves unless the Diamondbacks start losing a ton of games. And the Braves would have to give a massive haul, which would have to center around someone like Vaughn Grissom to be able to make it happen. I don't see that particular trade happening because I don't think the Braves are going to trade A.J. Minter when his value is at an all-time low because last year he was a top five reliever in all of baseball and this year he's struggling which I think a lot of it has to do with the pitch clock which we've talked about but anyways that trade is not going to happen but again that's the type of haul it would take so I I don't think Zach Gallon's coming to the Braves anytime soon but I did want to explore that trade because that one has been floating around both Facebook and Twitter. One trade that I'd like to look at is Lucas Giolito. He's only making $10.4 million this year, and the Braves would only have to pay the prorated amount of that, and he's a free agent after the after this season. Now, of course, I'd love to see a player come to the Braves that will continue to be on the Braves, like a Zach Gallon. That'd be a huge haul. But Kyle Wright's still going to be on the Braves for years to come, and Max Fried will be on the team next year at a minimum, and the Braves are kind of deep when we look at guys like Bryce Elder. So it's not like the Braves have to bring in a lot like a, a rotation piece that's going to be here for years to come. Now of course Charlie Morton, we don't know how long he's going to continue to pitch and things like that. So it's always nice to bring in multi-year guys, but if you bring in multi-year guys, it's going to cost more. A Lucas Giolito is not going to cost what a lot of people might think he cost simply because you're only paying for half the season. He's a very good pitcher with some question marks. But the Braves can afford him, even in a bidding war, if they really need a rotation piece. Lucas Giolito already has 1.3 wins above replacement this year. He's back to pitching very well. He had a down year last year in 2022 where his ERA was 18% below average. Uh, as far as ERA plus, meaning it was worse, 18% worse than league average. But this year, he's back on track to what his norm is. Currently, he, after facing 199 batters, he has an ERA plus of 125, which is 25% better in league average. His FIP is a 3.77. His WHIP is a 1.112. And he's not giving up hits as much as he was at 7.9 hits per nine innings. Uh, he's looking good. His strikeout to walk ratio is a 4.55. I just think this is the type of guy the Braves want to look at. He's not elite by any means, but his walk rate is really good. It's in the best 22% in the league. His strikeout rate is in the best 37% of the league. Batters are whiffing, where or swinging and missing 
very good against him. He's in the top 35%. His expected ERA is in the top 34%. His hard hit percentage is low. He's in the top 30%. Average exit velocity is very good. He's in the top 33%. So uh, it's expected batting average, top 30%. There's a lot of things that are good with Lucas Giolito showing that he is back on track to pitching the way that we're used to seeing. His expected ERA, if you want to know the actual number, is a 3.56 when his actual ERA is a 3.59. So the way we're seeing him pitch right now as far as preventing runs is about right on par with what you can expect to continue to get from him as long as he continues to pitch the exact same way. And I think that's the type of guy, he obviously is not going to be the staff ace by any means, but if you bring in a guy like this that can pitch for the Braves for the second half of the season, that won't cost an extreme amount. I do think it's a guy that's very good idea and is worth exploring. Okay, And the White Sox, on the other hand, are not like the Diamondbacks. The White Sox look to have little to no chance of making the playoffs. In fact, if we look at the White Sox right now, their chance of making the playoffs is a very paltry... 1.4% with a less than 0.1% chance to win the World Series. So it does not look like they're going to be winning anything much this year. That being said, they do have some cool pieces on their team. The White Sox are an incredibly fun team to watch. So I hate to see it for the White Sox. It just seems that the White Sox, and I have a co-worker that's a huge White Sox fan, so I love hearing from him because I, I like watching the White Sox. And uh, his, his point of view, and I agree with it, is that the White Sox tried to do what the Atlanta Braves did, get their good players, sign them early. It just so happens that almost everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. And a lot of those players that they signed early either underperformed after they got signed or ended up getting hurt a lot. And uh, hopefully we're not seeing Austin Riley follow suit with that. Uh, Austin Riley's had a really bad year this year. Um, and I've written an article on it if you want to go see why, uh, but that's not what this podcast is about. But either way, I do tend to agree. I think the White Sox are uh, not in a good spot, and Lucas Giolito will not be on the team next year unless they sign him to an extension because he will be a free agent after the end of the year. So if they're not going to win anything, why keep a player around? They can always re-sign him at the offseason, too. We've seen teams do that before. Do you remember when the Yankees traded Araldis Chapman? to get a haul just to re-sign him again. Teams can do that. Teams can talk to the players and be like, look, we're not going to win this year. We like you, but we need to get some prospects in return to help build our farm system so we can be good in the future. We're definitely open to re-signing you in the future. That happens. I don't think Lucas Giolito is going to get his feelings hurt, and honestly, it doesn't really matter. It is a business, and uh, I do see a world where Lucas Giolito is going to be traded, and I would be happy if the Braves did it. If we did, if the Braves did trade for the for Lucas Giolito, I would say that it would probably be somewhere around a trade that looks like this. Of course, I'm not predicting this trade. I'm saying this is the type of haul that the White Sox could be expected to get. It would have to be centered around someone like Von Grissom and Jared Schu- or Jared Schuster. Okay, so. He is a very good pitcher, Lucas Giolito. We're looking at something like a, a trade that would be like Dodd, Schwellenbach, Schuster, and Vines if they wanted pitchers, right? If they wanted to fill up on pitchers, which I do think that they would, the White Sox, because they have a lot of offense and need more pitching. That's the type of thing. That's the type of trade it would take. Or you could possibly do like a Vaughn Grissom straight up for him. I 
know that fans would hate seeing Von Grissom go. He's a fan favorite. That's really what Lucas Giolito's worth. I don't think the Braves would probably do that. I don't think they're ready to trade Von Grissom for half a season of a player. But I do think that they'd be willing to give up some, like, the trade package that I said. Now, we'd love to see Schuster do well. I, I would too. But also, the Atlanta Braves are trying to win a World Series. And they're in a win-now window, spending a ton of money this year to win. Uh, this is the first time ever that they've broken the threshold of the, the luxury tax. And I do think that they want to go all in this season. So, yeah, Jared Schuster, he's under team control for years and years to come. But it's the type of player that you would have to trade to get a Lucas Giolito. And I do think it's going to be a trade that looks something like that. Do I think that's the exact trade that's going to happen? No, I don't. But I, I'm just giving you an example of the type of haul it would take to get Lucas Giolito. Do the Braves want to make that type of trade? I do think that they do if Kyle Wright and Max Fried continue to stay injured and are not back in time to help contribute for the rest of the year. Worst case scenario. That's the type of trade that I'd like to see the Braves make. Now there's other options out there as well and so let's explore some of them. What are some other starting pitchers that the Braves can go after? Let's set the parameters again. You don't want to be looking at teams like the Dodgers or the with some other good teams that you're not going to be trading with the Astros for a starting pitcher. I mean, the Braves did do it, to be fair, but it was a starting pitcher that obviously was not like a top-end starting pitcher. It was trading a relief pitcher that they didn't really want anymore for some starting pitching depth. So there is that caveat there that that could happen if the Braves are simply trading for some depth and swapping contracts. You know, when they traded for Jake Odorizzi. That's a very rare case, but as far as pitchers that will make the team actually better, as far as filling in for Freed and Wright in the meantime, you're not going to see the Braves trading with teams like the Astros or the Rays or teams like that. It, it's just not going to happen. Uh, so, at least historically speaking, Alex Anthopoulos is a wizard when it comes to trades. But we can see that that's probably not going to happen. So let's look at some teams that are struggling that might have some pitchers that are for trade. But first, we're going to take a little break. All right, the first one that comes up, and let me say that I went to Twitter and asked a bunch of people their suggestions on rental pitchers that the Braves could go after. And there is quite a few and I thank every single one of you for for giving me examples because that's one of my favorite things about doing a podcast is interacting with people and I just say overwhelmingly one of the ones that came up was Jordan Montgomery Dylan Short Doc Herbert Colleen Brando a bunch of people on Bray's Twitter all suggested Jordan Montgomery and for good reason He's a rental pitcher on the Cardinals team that is doing terrible. The Cardinals have no reason to keep him on the team at this point. He is not exceptional by any means. He has a high, you know, a high a high ceiling in a sense of he's worth getting this rental pitcher, especially for some depth for the Braves for the rest of the season. 
So far, he already has a 0.6 wins above replacement, but he's sitting at a 4.21 ERA. Of course, you always want to look beyond just the ERA. You want to look at his underlying metrics because when you trade for a player, you're not trading for what they've already done. You're trading for what they're going to do. Currently, his ERA plus, like I said, is a 4.21, which is just barely below league average at 99 ERA plus, but he has not had a season below 100 since 2020. And, and as far as ERA plus goes, 2021 he had a 112, 2022 he had a 125 for St. Louis once he was traded to them from the Yankees. So he does have potential to be a big help for the Braves. But let's look at his underlying metrics. His expected ERA is right at 4.25. So it almost appears as far from an overarching or high-level view that what you see is what you get with him. One thing that makes me a little bit nervous is that his expected ERA is in the bottom 48%. His expected batting average against his bottom 36%. Expected slugging is bottom 34%. And his K rate is bottom 38%. He does not walk a lot of batters. So he is in the best 24% in terms of uh, walk rate. But... All of his other stuff on StatCast makes me nervous, especially over his past 25 plate appearances or so. So, of course, this is a guy that the Braves can bring in to help shore up the rotation because of, you know, being depleted. However, he, it's not like he's going to be a top-end rotation piece, but that's not exactly what the Braves are going to go after. You know, when, when the Braves are making trades, they look at underlying metrics and things like that. So if the deal is right, sure, bring in Jordan Montgomery. Just don't expect him to be a Kyle Wright type pitcher. He is probably going to be very much a league average pitcher once he comes over to the Braves. We've seen the Braves work miracles with pitchers once they come in, with hitters once they come in, and made them a lot better. But uh, Jordan Montgomery makes sense. I don't think that he's going to push the needle at all, that he would simply be a depth move, but that's depth that the Braves obviously need. So in that sense, it would keep the needle where it's at, uh, with, which is a good thing because the Braves are a very good team. Another pitcher that came up quite a bit was Alex Wood, and that would be really cool to go full circle and have Alex Wood come back to the Braves. I don't know if he's the one that I would go after, though, even though it would be a cool story because since 2019, he really has struggled keeping runs off the board. His ERA plus since the start of 2019 is a 91, so 9% below average. Now his FIP is okay, it's a 3.98, but it, it is concerning. And this year, it does make you say, you look just at his ERA, and you say, oh man, he's got a 2.87 ERA, let's get that on the Braves. But you have to remember that small sample sizes can really mess around with ERA, especially considering he's only pitched... 15.1 innings so far this year. His walk to strikeout rate is one of, is the worst of his career so far at a 2.00, meaning he strikes out a decent amount of 9.2 batters, but he's walking batters at the highest rate of his career. Is that really something you want to bring to the Braves? I don't, you know, if the price is right, that's really what it comes down to is what would it take to bring him in? 
Of course, again, he's his contract is up at the end of the year. So with and with him having you know a bad ERA over the past five years or so, it's not like it's going to cost the Braves a ton of prospect capital to bring him in. It might even take just a little lottery ticket guy and paying the rest of the salary. So the Braves could definitely make it happen if they wanted to. The question is, do they want to? Another pitcher that came up is also on the White Sox, which makes sense, is Lance Lynn, because Lance Lynn for years has been dominant. But so far, this has been the worst year of his career. Already, he has had a negative 0.4 wins above replacement with a hilarious 6.66 ERA. Uh, right now at the time of this recording. So I don't know if that's a bad omen for me to even bring him up, but he is not doing well so far this year. This is not a small sample size in comparison to guys like Alex Wood, who only had 15.1 innings pitched. Lance Lynn has 51.1 innings pitched, and he has given up more hits than any pitcher in Major League Baseball. So he is not exactly doing well this year. His FIP is a 4.77, which is the second highest of his career since 2017. His WHIP, which obviously you knew would be high, is a 1.519, which is the highest of his career. He's giving up 10.7 hits per nine innings, which is the highest of his career. And he's giving up home runs at the highest rate of his career. He's not walking a ton of batters, but when they're hitting the ball all the time, I mean, uh, does it really matter? Um, <laughs> so I don't know if Lance Lynn is going to be the type of pitcher that the Braves want to go after. However, there is still time that you can write the ship. And when it comes to guys like Lance Lynn on a rental contract, it's something like the Braves did with Jake Odorizzi. It will not cost a lot. Uh, the Braves can maybe move some contracts over if they can figure something out. And it could just be a filler spot and just gamble that he does turn things around for the Braves. You know, if they're just bringing him in to be a fifth starter at best, and then once the postseason comes around, he doesn't make the postseason roster, and that's just something they want to do. If Lance Lynn's price is cheap enough to make a gamble like that, then by all means, let's take the gamble. I mean, if the Braves are trying to win a World Series and they need to win as many games as possible to have the highest seed in the playoffs that they can possibly have to give themselves the highest odds of winning the World Series. So if they want to gamble on Lance Lynn, sure. But again, it comes down to the price. I would not expect Lance Lynn to be the Lance Lynn of old, though. He's going to have to have make some serious adjustments to even continue to not be released from the White Sox at this point. Another Giants pitcher that came up, and I kind of like this one. It, he would cost a lot more than someone like Lance Lynn would like a lot more, even though he's a rental, and that's Anthony DeSclafani. The Giants are an interesting beast because, for whatever reason, they keep thinking because of when they ended up winning their division somehow against the Dodgers, it almost seems like they want to pretend like they're competitors or they're competitive. And even though they have, uh, they're in a division where the Dodgers are most likely going to win. Uh, Dodgers are a very strong team. The Padres are loaded, even though they're not doing well. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are making waves in that division. There, it's going to be interesting to see if the Giants actually sell at least rental pieces at the trade deadline. They have not been doing that very much. 
at least not pieces that will bring him a lot back. So it will be interesting to see. Anthony DeSclafani does make sense to me, although he would be expensive. He already has a 1.5 wins above replacement with a 3.06 ERA. That's a 139 ERA plus just for what's worth 39% below, I mean a better than league average. And his whip is below a 1, which is always something good I want to see at a 0.960. And he is leads the league in the best walk rate at 0.9 walks per 9 innings. So that makes his strikeout to walk rate exceptional at 7.00 so far. And he's also not giving up a lot of home runs. It's only 0.7 home runs per 9 innings. So this is a guy who obviously has put in the work in the offseason because he wants to sign a big contract. It's pretty obvious because a lot of these numbers are easily the best of his career. And so he's pitching for a big contract. So the Braves probably would not retain him past this year. But he could definitely continue to help them. I'm a big believer that a lot of times players put in the most work right before a contract year so that they can get a big contract. And it seems to be the case this year for him. Would the Giants trade him? That's a big question. I think the Braves would love to have him. One thing that will be interesting to see, though, is much like Jordan Montgomery, it's, he seems to be overperforming. His stack has numbers like his expected batting average is bottom 25%. His K rate's bottom 20%. His expected slugging percentage against is bottom 39%. And a lot of that has to do that hitters, when they do hit the ball against him, hit it very, very hard. In fact, he's in the bottom 22% of the league in hard hit percentage. That being said, his expected ERA is under 4 at 3.94, so he is most likely going to regress if he continues to pitch like he is. However, a 3.94 ERA is definitely an ERA that I'd be happy to have for a rotation member for the Braves. So do the Braves go after him? The question is, if he continues to pitch like he does and he does not regress by some magical manner based on his underlying metrics, he is going to be one of the hottest trade targets in the league. And I do believe that a bidding war, much like Lucas Giolito, would take place. And I don't know if the Braves would be willing to give up to get what it takes to get him. The Braves are pretty much all in this year. This is the first year ever that they've broken, like I've said, they've broken the luxury tax threshold. So do they go all in a little bit more and go after him? And go for another World Series? That'll yet to be seen. But I would love to see him on the Braves. And that's another guy... I do want to take this moment and thank everyone that submitted who they think the Braves should go after. There are quite a few more. So go on my Twitter if you want to see at Sports and look at my thread. There's some good suggestions there. So I thank you guys and gals for giving me those suggestions because I love being able to put them on the podcast. All right, that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, don't forget to like and subscribe the new podcast feed. That's going to help people find the podcast on the new feed, and it's going to help a lot. So I really appreciate it. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at BravesDugoutPod. You can email the show at BravesDugout@gmail.com for business inquiries. You can follow my personal Twitter at Sports. We have a website. We have all the socials and all that. So please check out the show notes. All that stuff will be right there for you to see. I really appreciate it. And the Braves, I've just 
won the series against the Rangers, so things are looking good even though they're down some rotation spots. With that being said, as always, go Braves.